The MLB Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Bird Dog Shorts. Dominate summer with an amazing pair of shorts and a free Yeti-style tumbler when you order over at birddogs.com slash pool. That's birddogs.com slash pool. Welcome, everyone, to the MLB Gambling Podcast, part of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. It is Friday, June the 23rd, currently 5.03 on the East Coast. Here to do our turbo episode for the Saturday games. We'll give our lock, our dog, and our total. And we're also going to take a look at the London series this weekend happening across the pond uh, right near our co-hosts, Mal. I know Mal's going to be out there, so hopefully he has a good time out there. Uh, Cardinals and the uh, Cubs out there in the London game. So we'll... We'll touch on the matchup that's happening on Saturday uh, between those two teams. But helping me break it all down, you guys know him as the voice of the Tennis Gambling Podcast, WNBA, NFL, NBA, and of course you're on MLB. It's Scott Studio Rachel. Scott, what's going on, my man? Eh, nothing much. Looking forward to going through the Saturday card. Should be fun. I know we did an episode earlier today on the NBA draft for recap purposes. I know I also have an NFL show later with Terrell going through the uh, Defensive Player of the Year award race. So it should be a fun day. Uh, looking forward to going through the card on Saturday. Yeah, new uh, brand new series uh, obviously happening uh, this weekend, starting on Friday, uh, going through the weekend. Um, I guess first we can start with the London games. Uh, we have uh, two NL Central teams heading over to London to uh, play a two-game set happening on Saturday and Sunday. Um, I guess we I, uh, something worth noting and I guess uh, discussing. We'll talk about the park dimensions here as well. There has been some changes to that. I think the last time um, there was a London games uh, from the MLB was, I believe, in 2019 between the Red Sox yeah. and the Yankees, where it just turned into a home run derby. I think there was a total of 50 runs scored uh, between the two games that happened there. Um, and I think it was like 10 home runs in one game, or uh, which I was reading. Uh, but they did make some adjustments to the uh to the ballpark out there so i was looking this up and i'll quickly read it off here um if i just had in front of me i think i just closed it out but let me uh go back and find it if i can um let's see here where was it yeah here it is so uh the changes that they did make um prior to the changes so dead center field was about 385 feet, and then it was 330 down the line. And this was back in 2019, like I mentioned, between the Red Sox and the Yankees. So what they made changes to this year, uh, center field has now been pushed back to about seven more feet to about 392 yards, uh, sorry, feet. Um, And then um, down the line, or the alleys, I should say, they're moving that from 382 to 387, so about five feet more. But down the line, it's going to stay the same at 330. Uh, and they're also going to be less foul, uh, foul ground uh, in the uh, London Stadium there. So fans can get closer. I think that from what I read, Scott, is that they're making all these changes just to have more you know, fans in the crowd and, and all that sorts. And from what I'm reading, they're saying, quote, unquote, that they don't want it to turn into an offensive slugfest again. Uh, we saw that in that first game where they were in Mexico uh, between the Padres and... Uh, Giants. 
yeah, Padres and Giants for that first game turned into an absolute uh, shootout. And then the second game, we saw a more reasonable score uh, in that second game. But um, overall thoughts about London, uh, the London games here between the uh, Cardinals and the Cubs here, Scott? I think I like the over anyway. Uh, I know that they're going to be changing some dimensions here and there, five feet. But once again, there were 50 runs scored in the two games. You mentioned the amount of home runs. I don't know how many of them were wall scraper home runs or how many of them were just full long shots. But still, the point is, I think you're going to see runs in this game or in this uh, couple of games over the weekend. I don't really trust either pitching staff, but when you're looking at what to expect, once again, even if you have a little bit of a reduction in runs compared to the Red Sox-Yankee series, mm-hmm. a little bit still goes over because the total's around 13 and a half, and each of the Red Sox-Yankee games had 20 or more, yeah. uh, one game at 30, but I still see runs here. I don't really see much changing. Do you? I don't think so either. I mean, f- I don't think five feet is that significant. If it was like 10 feet or more, I think it would be more significant uh, for me. Um, like I said, dead center is about seven feet that they push back, but the alleys are at three, uh, 382 to 387, which is five feet. But from the videos that I watched, I mean, they did an absolutely fantastic job putting it together, which they did in 18 days. But to me, it feels like there's a lot of um, – it seems like a big outfield to me um covering ground and things like that i'm gonna try to go back and find the more of like pictures and and dimensions and things like that but i I feel like this might be a game where if you're a prop prop better maybe look at some total basis props for both sides here but at least for the saturday game uh scott uh, like you mentioned the total right now depending on the book i'm seeing 13 and a half with a little bit of vig on it and then also uh 14 right now with a little bit of vig towards the under uh, so we'll handicap this game and then we'll get into our lock uh, dog in total for the Saturday games as well. But um, at least for this game, it's going to be a 110 Eastern start. Oh, again, like I mentioned, in London, Chicago Cubs and the St. Louis Cardinals. I am seeing that Justin Steele is going to get the start here for the Chicago Cubs and Adam Wainwright is going to get the start for the St. Louis Cardinals. Cubs are favored minus 130 on the money line, plus 110 on the money line for the St. Louis Cardinals. Total is, again, depending where your book is at, I see 13 and a halves and 14s out there as well. Run line minus one and a half plus 110 for the Cubbies and then plus one and a half minus 130 for the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, Scott, uh, what are you thinking about the side here at least? So I understand why the Cubs are favored because you're looking at Steele taking on Wainwright. Wainwright's been a mess all year. Record-wise, not bad. Only 3-1, and one, but he does have a 5.56 ERA. Steele, I know, was your guy. You had him winning the Cy Young, and I'm not sure he's even the favorite on his own team right nope. now to do it, but he's still been solid. I do think, though, this line looks a little bit high. With the extremely unique circumstances, it does feel like I don't really want to be laying a certain price with the Cubs here. I know the Cubs have been good lately. Facing off against the Pirates definitely is going to help that, but you're looking at Steele's numbers against the Cardinals in 51 plate appearances, a 326 batting average, and a 392 on base percentage. So the Cardinals have done well against Steele in the past, and kind of the same can be said about the Cubs against Wainwright. So once again, I do like the over in this game, but I really don't want to lay 135. We saw in last uh, the last time they played in London in 2019, pre-adjustments to the stadium, both starters didn't exactly pitch much because, once again, there were 50 runs total in those two games. (laughs) So I'm not sure if the actual starters for this game matter too much. You can argue that Wainwright pitches to contact. So does Steele, who averages less than a a strikeout per inning. So Mm -hmm. I don't really know if it matters who's starting the game or not. Once again, maybe you'll see less runs than the Red Sox and Yankees two-game set 
from 2019. But I really don't want to lay 135 with the Cubs with a bigger, with a huge starting pitching advantage. But once again, I'm not sure how long the starters are going anyway. So I guess I'm leaning to the Cardinals at a decent plus price, but I'd rather take the over. Yeah, it was really difficult to come to a side here. Um, I, I think we can say what, do we agree that the Cardinals have the better offense here on paper, at least? On paper, yes. In recent form, the Cubs have actually been decent, but on right. paper, the Cardinals probably have the better lineup. Yeah, Cardinals right now, I'm looking at it um, as far as how they've done against left-handed pitchings thus far this season. Um, over the course of the season, they're batting 251 against left-handed pitching, which ranks number 16 out of 30 teams. Uh, slugging percentage, they are number 17. So it seems like they're almost middle of the pack as far as how it goes against left-handed pitching. But Again, being in this ballpark and these type of dimensions, um, with I think there is a lot of um, outfield and hits to be had in this game. I think that what's going to happen is something similar, uh, similar to what we saw in the Mexico uh, City game between the Padres and the Giants. That we'll see a lot of runs being scored in the first game, and then maybe the books will over adjust for game two, and then we'll see you know more of a a six, four or seven, you know, something type of score where it's lower scoring in game two. So I agree with you about the uh, over in this game. Again, that number is currently at 13 and a half or 14 in this game. Gun to my head um, out on paper. I like the Cardinals offense a lot better. When we talk about Arenado, we talk about uh, Paul Goldschmidt. Um, the lineup has been stacked. I know, uh, Contreras hasn't been very good for them. I don't know why he keeps getting slayed in that five spot for the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, but I think we're both agreeing on the over here. I don't see any player props out yet. Um, do, 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 okay, do you see anything that you do like? Uh, DraftKings has player props up yet. So I know that you mentioned that they're moving the dimensions back a little bit, mm -hmm. but I still have to blind look at home run props here. Yeah. I'm looking at Ian Happ uh, to hit a home run at plus 425. He's done very well historically against Wainwright, and he's actually been hitting the ball well lately. So to go through his numbers against Wainwright, he's been mashing all all career against Wainwright. Uh, but to read off those numbers here, first of all, it's not just home runs. He has a high average. He's batting around 381, I believe. Mm -hmm. No, he's batting 344. Uh, but he has 11 hits in 32 at-bats, uh, four home runs. So if you want to okay. go for a guy who's done well against Wainwright in the past, four home runs for Hap, that's around a plus 450. If you want to go for Tucker Barnhart, if you want to go for that angle too, he has a couple home runs in his career against Wainwright. I don't see a price on Barnhart, but if he starts, maybe. I expect a lot of these lines to be hammered uh, before yeah. the game starts once people remember, oh yeah, this is in a, in a foreign country. <laughs> We're probably going to see runs. So I am looking at Hap to have a good performance here for the Cubs side. For the Cardinals' perspective, I see Arenado at 290. That's a little too low for me. Mm -hmm. Goldschmidt's at 370, which is interesting. I yeah. see Jordan Walker at 550. I think 550 is kind of appealing there because Walker does have some power. Uh, but I don't really see much in terms of odds that I'm a big fan of. I think Walker at 550 feels a bit long. But for a head-to-head -head matchup, I got to like Hap at plus 425. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned that he's been mashing against um, Adam Wainwright throughout his career. I'm trying to find um, Goldschmidt has been uh, doing well against uh, Justin Steele as well. Four of ten in his career against him. Um, only one home run um, in those four hits. But 
Rest have been uh, singles. Uh, Tommy Edmond as well, three of seven against Justin Steele, batting four twenty nine. Um, I think at that price of plus three seventy for Paul Goshman, I think that's definitely worth putting something on. Compared to uh, Arenado, I don't know. Oh, Arenado's yeah. eighty cents lower than Goldschmidt. Yeah. That's yeah, I agree. Um, let's see, Jordan Walker. Uh, yeah, that one also caught my eye. That what you just mentioned at plus five fifty. Uh, that might be worth a look as well. So, um, that's as far yeah as far as home runs. And if you guys see uh, total bases, uh, uh, let me see if I can find that market. I feel like there's going to be a lot of like doubles and triples in this game. Um, yeah, I see earned run props too. Uh, Wainwright okay. over three and a half earned is minus one fifteen. Okay. Uh, same with the under. Steel over two and a half earned is minus one thirty. That might be my favorite that. prop. Yeah, I agree. Two and a that. half is crazy. Like for a game with a total of roughly fourteen, mm-hmm. I got to take the over for both players. But two and a half on Steel feels very low there at one thirty. Yeah, Nolan Arenado total bases uh, one and a half is minus one thirty five towards the over. Goldschmidt minus uh, sorry uh, over one and a half total bases minus one twenty five. Um, see me these some of these Cub players. You mentioned Ian Hap uh, over one and a half total bases minus one fifteen. Cody Bellinger at plus one ten. I think that's kind of intriguing. Um, it is his numbers against Wainwright historically are not great, but he's been yeah he's been pretty good yeah. lately. Okay. Um, do you see any outs issued for uh, props for these two pitchers? Because I feel like I if do. it's something I see similar. One. Okay, go ahead. I see Wainwright at sixteen and a half. The unders at minus one thirty. Yeah, you gotta take the under on that, don't you think? I think you have to be tempted by it. Yeah. Okay. I'd rather take the earned runs over, to be honest. But yeah, I agree. Either either or. Okay. Um, anything else for the London games, or at least any other player props or anything that you're looking at for this game? Not really. Once again, it's in a foreign country. I'm not going to judge it solely based on what happened in 2019, but I think there's a reason why this total is higher than Coors Field. No offense to the change dimensions and what the people were trying to do in London, but I expect to see runs. So give me the over. Yeah, they got uh, Strowman and then Jack Flaherty going on Sunday early. They're really going to sabotage Strowman's entire Cy Young campaign. Yeah. It's a damn chance. Yeah, it really is. Uh, all right. So before we get into our lock, dog, and total for the Saturday games, uh, let me tell everyone about uh, Bird Dog Shorts. It's that time of the year. It's it's heating up, especially down south here in Texas. Um, when whether you're going to be poolside or whether you're traveling, um, and you need some nice and comfortable shorts, you need to check out Bird Dogs. Bird Dog stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemons, but fit way better. They fit better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restricted cotton because Bird Dog fixed that issue by inventing cloud-knit fabric that looks just like khakis. So to take advantage of this and to check them out in some nice design shorts, just go to birddogs.com slash pool and enter code P-O-O-L, that's pool, and they're feeling generous. They're going to throw in a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. Uh, again, that's birddogs.com slash pool for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you that. All right, Scott, let's get into our lock dog and total for the Saturday games. Uh, let's start here with our totals. I'll let you lead off. What's your total uh, bet for the Saturday action? All right, uh, so for the total in this one, uh, I honestly, I have two totals, so I'm 
curious what one I'm going to do for my lock and which one for my total. Uh, but I think I'm just going to go with the uh, Pirates and Marlins game. You have two relatively unknown pitchers. One's going to probably be an opener for the Marlins against uh, Bido. And Bido's been pretty good in two outings so far this season. I'm going to go with the under at eight and a half. Uh, it's in Miami's ballpark, which we know is a bit more of a pitcher's friendly ballpark anyway. Mm-hmm. The bullpens concern me, so I thought about maybe a first five, but still, Pittsburgh can't hit, just simply yeah. put. They've scored no runs in three of the last six games. They can't score. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've scored less than five runs pretty much every game for the last like two weeks. That's why they've lost uh, 10 straight at this point. I'm on the under eight and a half, though. Miami's offense, I had money on the Marlins yesterday. Thanks to uh, Cooper, who pretty much single-handedly carried me to the finish line. Uh, they won 6-4. But the lineup for Miami is also pretty top-heavy. Besides yeah. a rise, a little bit of Solaire, who's hit or miss, and Cooper yesterday, they don't really have much. And Pittsburgh's offense has been a complete lost cause. I know Reynolds is now on the IL. He's going to be out for a while. Uh, of course, O'Neill Cruz earlier this year got injured. He's barely played. Pittsburgh was fun for about April. And since then, they've gone back to being bad, which is what I thought they would be. They have a couple of pieces here and there. I know uh, Davis, I believe, hit his first career home run uh, last night. Top prospect there for Pittsburgh. But still, I got to go with the under eight and a half. If Pittsburgh is going to walk into three runs every game or less, I'm not going to feel good about a total. And I think Beto's actually pretty good, or Beto. Yeah. So give me the under eight and a half in that Pirates and Marlins game. Number feels a little bit high to me. Yeah, I think this might be a game where Marlins team total could maybe get over like it did last night uh, on Thursday. 5-2. Yeah, just because the bullpen has just been so bad for this Pirates team. And when you have a recipe of a bad bullpen and a team that can't score runs, that's usually going to lead to a lot of losses. So um, I think this Marlins bullpen hasn't been too bad. I mean, they're kind of middle of the pack, at least over the last two weeks is what I'm looking at. Uh, as far as team ERA, as far as a uh, bullpen, they're at 3.89, which is which isn't too bad. Uh, but again, like I mentioned, Pittsburgh has a team ERA, a bullpen ERA over the last two weeks of 10.06. They've allowed 41 earned runs uh, in that span. They've allowed 52 hits uh, and the teams are batting 331 against them. So, um, this kind of goes into my uh, dog play. Uh, we'll get to that in a bit. But for my total play, um, I'm going to go with the Braves team total over. That number is probably going to be around five and a half, maybe six. I'm guessing say, five it, and a half. it might be higher than that total. I think it's like 11 or 12. Yeah. Um, and you're getting Graham Ashcraft back. Uh, I missed off that of guy. The IL. And yeah, beginning of the season, this guy was an absolute dumpster fire uh, for the Cincinnati Reds. I know last season he was pretty good, but it seems like teams have kind of figured out what he's been doing um, this season, at least. So before he went on the IL um, in his last five games, he was one in four with a 12.46 ERA. He had allowed a whopping 30 earned runs in 21 and two thirds innings pitched. Um when you're giving up 10 earned runs to a Milwaukee Brewers team, a team that can't hit, um, that is a serious red flag for me. Now, he did have one good start against the uh, Atlanta Braves earlier this year where he did go six innings, six hits, only allowed two earned runs and three walks uh, to the Atlanta Braves. But the Braves offense is just on a whole other level right now. And throwing him back into the fire, coming him, having him come back off of the IL, it's like, okay, here you go. Go and face the hottest offense in the uh, MLB right now. So 
I, I think this might be an opportunity or will be an opportunity for the Braves to score seven plus runs in this game. I think that we'll see runs all through this weekend between these two teams, and especially for an Atlanta team. I keep going back to that game last weekend where they were down six nothing to the uh, Colorado Rockies. They came back and won 14 to six. So that's what this offense is really capable of. Also, Graham Ashcraft at home so far this season, two and four with an 8.63 ERA. He's allowed 31 earned runs and 32 and one thirds innings pitched. 24 strikeouts. He's allowed 17 walks. So walks are concerned. And that's a, not a recipe of success against this Atlanta Braves team that if they're able to get on base, you have a lot of guys that can drive in these runs. So um, I'm going to go with the Braves team total, whether it's five and a half, whether it's six. Uh, I do see them at least scoring seven or more runs in this game against the Cincinnati Reds and Graham Ashcraft here, Scott. Yeah, selfishly, I hope they do a lot of the scoring tonight because I might have some action against Luke Weaver. So we'll see what happens. But <laughs> yeah, I think the Braves can score enough to go around. They were a bit quiet in that Philly game, and then they scored five in the 10th inning as they won. Uh, but I do think, once again, Ashcraft isn't very good. And you're looking at the Reds with the weather, by the way. Supposed to be a lot of home runs that weekend series. Uh, for the weather tomorrow in Great American, roughly a 16% increase in runs and a 30% increase in home runs because the wind's blowing out in Great American. So, yeah, you might see a lot, a lot of runs this weekend in Cincinnati. So uh, you get no argument from it. All right, before we get into our dog picks of the Saturday action, let me tell everyone about uh, Underdog Fantasy. Uh, best Ball Mania 4 is here. I know a lot of people have been uh, getting into those uh, best ball drafts for the upcoming NFL season. I know uh, Andrew Robb and uh, the on the Mothership and on the Fantasy Football Podcast have been grinding out these Best Ball Mania uh, fantasy drafts. And Underdog Fantasy is giving away $15 million in prizes this upcoming season. Underdog also has Pick'em is uh, also a great way to get down on your favorite MLB player props. Also for the college uh, baseball uh, World Series as well. So many different ways to win over at Underdog and active in so many states. Head over to underdogfantasy.com, but make sure to use that promo code SGPN for a 100% deposit bonus of up to $100. Again, that's underdogfantasy.com using promo code SGPN. All right, Scott, let's get into our dog picks for the uh, Saturday schedule. Lead us off. What do you got? So for this one, I'm going to go with a favorite, but I'm going to take the run line. I'm going to take the Rangers on the run line, minus one and a half, at around plus 146 against my Yankees. Simply put, I think this price is extremely generous, and they're a road team, so they're guaranteed nine at-bats no matter what. But the point is, you have Gray as the projected pitcher, and so far this season, he's been really, really good, especially on the road. Uh, to go through his numbers on the road this season, he's 4-0 record-wise, 35 and two-thirds innings. 2.02 ERA, and you look at his numbers against the Yankees in his career, decent amount of at-bats for Yankee batters. Uh, the Yankees have had 56 career plate appearances against Gray, a 173 batting average, and a 232 on base percentage. Big reason, though, the Yankees can't hit, and I know that they were able to win a couple of games against Seattle over the past few days. Yep. Doesn't change the fact they still didn't score a lot in those games. Uh, to look at the three game set they had against Seattle, they won three to one, they won four to two, and they lost 10 to two. So they scored a total of nine runs in those three games. And if you want to even go back further than that, I just want to read off some of the offensive games here for the Yankees. Yep. Two runs against Seattle, four runs against Seattle, three runs against Seattle. One run against Boston, two runs against Boston, five against Boston, which is actually a decent showing. Uh, three runs against the Mets, seven against the Mets, 
two against the Red Sox, three against the Red Sox, two against the Red Sox, three against the White Sox. You get my point. They can't score. They haven't been able to score for about two weeks. Judge is still out. Bader did come back, which might help a little bit. But even with the Yankees winning games over the past few days, they still can't score. And Gray's been really good on the road. And Texas is one of the best offenses in the league. And Severino's been a little bit hit or miss so far this season. I think Texas on the road, minus one and a half, probably the better team right now. I don't think it's really a debate. At plus 146 with nine at-bats, give me the Rangers. I feel like that's a great price. Yeah, so this kind of leads into my lock pick as well. So I'll kind of go back to back here, and then you could close us uh, out with your lock. So uh, I did take the Rangers on the money line as my lock for everything that you just mentioned here, and also just fading Luis Severino, who hasn't been very good uh, thus far this season for the uh, New York Yankees, kind of just looking at his numbers. He's just in bad form right now. Last five games, Severino 0-2 with a 7.11 ERA. Uh, the Yankees have lost three of his last four starts, and he has allowed at least four earned runs in three of his last four starts. And walks are also a huge concern for Severino. So kind of like we talked about with the Atlanta Braves offense, if you let this Rangers offense uh, guys get on base this team has been one of the best offenses if not the best offense in the entire mlb this season they lead the league in runs per game um and like you mentioned that if the yankees aren't able to score runs um rangers could easily win maybe all three of these games all weekend by scoring a total of or five runs per game because yeah. right now you like you mentioned that yankees offense just hasn't been able to hit so um and again, like I mentioned, the walks of Reno has uh, over his last five starts issued at least three walks in three out of those five games. And on the other side, like you mentioned, John Gray, he's in great form. Uh, he's coming off his worst start of the season, which was against the Toronto Blue Jays. But he's been solid on the road, like you mentioned, for the Rangers. 4-0, 2.02 ERA and seven road starts this season. And the Rangers have won four of his last five starts. So it's just a, a difference on or the direction in which these two teams are going, especially offensively, I'm going to take the better offense. I'm going to take the better pitcher. Uh, right now, you could get the Rangers uh, money line minus 115. And like Scott mentioned, for his dog, you can get it at minus one and a half uh, around, what was it, plus 140, you said? Plus 146. Okay. Yeah, so definitely shop around, get the best number. Um, and then for my dog, um, and then you could close it out with your lock here, Scott. Um, I'm going to go back to that Marlins game. I'm going to take the Marlins on that run line minus one and a half. Uh, I know you mentioned that uh, Oswaldo Beto has been doing pretty well for the um, small sample size. But yeah, very small. Right. Um, but it's just a concern that we talked about that. It's the Pittsburgh Pirates uh, number one offense that hasn't been able to produce runs. And then that bullpen, like I mentioned, that even if they are up at the end of five innings or even if it's a tie game that the Pittsburgh Pirates are able to keep it close through five or six inning and that bullpen comes in and absolutely blows it up. We saw an example last night, like you mentioned, where Garrett Cooper hit that home run and the Marlins were able to win that game. I believe they covered the run line in that game as yeah. well. I think that even with Brian Hoing starting, who's been pretty good thus far this season for the uh, Marlins coming out of that bullpen, um, I believe he has gotten a couple starts for them as well. I think he started the last game against Toronto. But there's no uh, length he, involved. He's pretty much just an opener. Yeah, so he'll probably go around, what, maybe three to four innings for them. Yeah. Um, he only allowed three hits to the Toronto Blue Jays offense. He did have five strikeouts in that game as well uh, for the uh, for the Miami Marlins. I trust his Marlins team more at home. They're 10 games above 500. Um I don't think a lot of people saw this team having this type of success. I know, like you mentioned, they are top heavy as far as offense goes. Uh, but I just think this is another opportunity for them to, you know, get some or wins here 
against a team that is going in the opposite direction of where they did start. They regressed um, back to the mean here a little bit. But uh, for me, Miami Marlins minus one and a half. And that you can find that right now over at DraftKings at plus 130 as my dog pick of the day. So um, kind of just piggybacking off of what Scott said for my lock, it's minus 115 on the Rangers. And then my dog pick minus one and a half plus 130. Uh, on the Miami Marlins against the Pittsburgh uh, Pirates, which then leads us to Scott, your lock for the Saturday action. So for this one, I had a play going in, but now I might pivot because it's going to involve the London game. Okay, It's going to involve an over. The question is, which over do I want to take? Because I was going to take 13 and a half for the total runs on the over. But then I see the Justin Steele earned runs prop at two and a half. And I feel like I have to take that. I think that has to be my lock. So, yeah, give me Steele uh, over two and a half earned runs at minus 130 as my lock in that Saturday game. The total's 14, and I mentioned the Cardinals have good numbers against Steele in his career. On top of that, once again, to go through the actual Cardinals' numbers offensively, maybe he was facing the Nationals, but they actually woke up a little bit against the Mets offensively. Uh, to go through the offense, they scored no runs last game, which isn't ideal. Scored nine runs the game before that, six, uh, eight the game before that, eight again against the Mets, and five against the Mets. They've scored at least five runs in four of the last five games, eight-plus runs in three of the last four games, and they're playing in a mini ballpark uh, with, with, I guess, increased dimensions that I don't really care about. But I think for the sake of this, if you're going to give me a total of 13.5 or 14 in a full game, and I can fade one of the starting pitchers blindly with three earned runs or more, I'm going to take the over. It's just a math. It's just a math play, simply put. And we yeah. talked about how good the numbers are. The Cardinals have just against uh, against Steele in his yeah. career. This number just feels too short to me. So give me the Justin Steele over two and a half earned runs prop at minus one thirty on DraftKings. Yeah, I mean, you take a look at what he's done in his career against the Cardinals as well. Uh, he's faced them at least one time over the last three seasons, and he's allowed exactly. Seven hits in all three of those uh, starts. He did have a start earlier this season, uh, back on May 10th against the um, against the Cardinals. He did get the W there, but more importantly, he allowed seven hits and then also gave up three earned runs in that game as well. Walks are also concerned with Justin Steele uh, against his Cardinals team. He's allowed at least um, uh, two walks in each of those starts, and he's had three walks uh, over his last two starts against his Cardinals team as well. In an earlier match of the season, like I mentioned, uh, three walks in that game allowed seven hits, three earned runs as well. So um, I can't argue against it. It's, it's been consistent, at least in the um, stadiums that they've been playing in here. I'm also kind of tempted by his over five and a half hits allowed as well. Um, again, if we do think that this is going to be a higher scoring game, he could probably give this up in the first couple of innings along with the earned run. So um, if you're a prop better, Maybe you want to be fading these pitchers, whether it's Justin Steele, whether it's Adam Wainwright. I do like that under Wainwright for his um, props as well, for his under outs recorded is what I'm trying to say uh, in this game. So I think we're both kind of seeing uh, a lot of offense being played in this uh, game over in London. Uh, between the only the concern I have for Cubs. Steele is the potential mm-hmm. lack of length. And if you're taking an over and earned runs, you want the guy to actually pitch a decent amount. But still, yeah. with this ballpark and everything – it's mostly just a principal play. It's like taking a pitcher over two and a half earned when the total's 13 at cores. And yeah. you're like, I, you're like, it's two and a half. Like, how am I not supposed to take this? I'm not, a, I'm not a math expert, but the math yeah. isn't mathing. 
So I'm going to yeah. take steal over. <laughs> if one plus one equals two, then you got to uh, pretty much. Always, yeah. Take it every single time. But if you don't have um, that, I do like the over for the full game. Yeah, I agree. Uh, all right. Um, about 32 minutes in here. Anything else we want to mention before we wrap it up here, Scott? Just in general, do you like these international games? Um, I get it. Why the obviously all, why all the major sports here do it? Whether it's NHL, MLB, NBA, NFL. Yeah, it's all the way. It comes down to the dollars, uh, and it's it's always a, we, at the end of the day, we always got to remember it's a business. Um, I don't I don't mind it. I really don't. I think it gives the fans, uh, international fans. Um, you know, I'm using Mal as an example because you know he's on the pod with us, and and you know he doesn't get to watch a lot of the games just because of the time difference. But now when you have you know whether it's whatever teams are going across the pond, and the, you're able to get out to the ballpark and watch, I think it's pretty refreshing for those type of fans. I, I don't mind it. I think it's good for the league. Um, again, at the end of the day, I think it is about dollars and cents. But if I if I'm a baseball fan and I and I was living you know internationally where the um, the leagues have been going, I have the opportunity to get out to watch a game and maybe see some of my favorite players, whether it's you know Arenado, Goldschmidt, where the case might be, I'm gonna take advantage of that opportunity. So I, I don't mind it. Yeah, for me, I don't mind it either. I did have an issue with it in 2019 when they had the Red Sox-Yankees series because I believe those games started at like 10 o'clock Eastern time or some insanely early start time. Yeah. So I actually missed the first couple innings, and then I woke up and it was 11 to 10 in the third inning, and I'm like, what? what is this? <laughs> but at least this game's at 1 o'clock Eastern, yeah. so it does seem like they've moved the start time back a little bit. So I'm fine with the actual time here because if they were playing this game in St. Louis or Chicago – it might be a one o'clock start time anyway. So the only concern that I had was when it would actually start so Americans could watch the game. Mm -hmm. And you could argue, well, people in California can't really watch it. It's a standard one o'clock game Eastern time. That's an issue issue that California uh, people have all the time or if you're just in the West Coast. So that doesn't really change anything. The only issue I had was the start time, and now it's not an issue anymore. So I don't really care where they're playing because they're playing at a normal time. Well, Sunday it's a nine, uh, 10 o'clock start. Is that okay? 10 o'clock a.m. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's what I thought it was in 2019. I have an issue with that for Sunday, but for the sake of Saturday, I'm okay with it. Because yeah, the think... issue that I have is that if you're going to put it on Fox, mm-hmm. if you want people to watch it all over the world, then at least make it possible or realistic for yeah. people in America to also watch it. No offense, mm-hmm. but nobody in California is waking up at 7 a.m. to see the Cubs Cardinals play in London. No, I don't think so either. But 10 o'clock, I mean, East Coast time isn't too bad of a time. That's fine. I'm just saying always... for part of the country, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. We're not gonna, like, I feel like you can do a better job of maximizing your audience domestically yeah. because you're putting it on Fox. So yeah. you clearly want viewers in America to also watch it. Yeah. I think the time might be a little bit early. I get the argument there's a time difference, whatever. Yeah. I don't know why this can't just be a night game in one. Yeah. Um, so I think they're about five hours ahead of us. It's like five or six. Yeah. Give yeah. Uh, I know. I think Mal is like five hours. So that would make it what? Nine. Yeah, just repeat the same exact point. time as Saturday. Make yeah. It a seven o'clock game in London, give or take. It's one o'clock yeah. Eastern time. Mm-hmm. And just run it back to back. Yeah. Um, Saturday, it's at 12.10, which is on Fox, but then the ESPN um, Sunday morning 
10 o'clock is on uh it's on espn uh so fox and espn are rotating between um these two uh two uh games at least for the london series so yeah uh i think they definitely can do a better job of um at least getting the timing right uh let's recap our picks uh scott before we get out of here so um for my lock i am taking the rangers money line minus 115 my underdog play is going to be the marlins on the run line minus one and a half plus 130 and then my total play is going to be on the braves team total over i uh, don't have an official number on that but we're projecting to be around five and a half maybe possibly even six i, I still don't hate it at that number if you do get a six so um, those are going to be my play scott you want to recap your picks yeah so for my lock i'm gonna go with a player prop i'm gonna go with justin Steele over Two and a half earned runs at minus 130. If you don't have that, once again, I don't mind the over 13 and a half for the full game. For my dog, I'm going to take the Rangers minus one and a half at plus 146. And for my total, I'm going to go with the Pirates and Marlins under eight and a half. I thought about a first five play, but unfortunately, I don't see any lines available for that. I'm hoping Pittsburgh's bullpen doesn't totally kill me, but I'm hoping we both win because I want the Marlins to win this game five to two. Yep. Um, tomorrow is also Jordan Lyles Day, so something worth noting. I'm surprised he didn't give out the uh, yes run first inning. Uh, I mean, I think he, it hasn't hit in two straight games, but I mean, he hasn't been pitching too bad. They just keep losing. It's just the bullpen comes in and like yeah. messes it up for, for Jordan Lyles. So, yeah, um, just keep that in mind again. Uh, when sports books are putting out the images of uh, the Royals being 0 and 15 and starts by. Jordan Lyles, I think that's a red flag. Uh, it's it it, it count or it uh, it cashed on uh, his last start. So keep this in mind for the Saturday games. But nonetheless, Scott, anything else we want to mention before we get out of here? Not really. I'm uh, doing the show with Terrell for the NFL podcast in about an hour or two. So keep an eye out for that. But find me on Twitter at Rice Show Radio. Uh, and yeah, looking forward to the entire weekend. Yep. A lot of sports happening over the weekend. We've got a UFC, as usual, baseball, um, College World Series on Monday. I believe so. Uh, okay. I also forgot to mention I have a tennis podcast that I'll be posting shortly. Oh, uh, yes. I have gotten into tennis myself. So uh, I've not really gotten into it, but I'm just following uh, the, the Scott's picks <laughs> uh, as far as uh, tennis goes. So it's a good time to remind you, if you aren't in the Discord, come and join us, to join the conversations. We have pretty much a channel for every single sport. I know the MLB uh, channel has always been popping with guys uh, in the chat that join us on the YouTube with TV, uh, DBJ, and Randy and all the other guys in there as well. Captain Insano as well. So come join the chat. It's a lot of great information, a lot of winning uh, tickets in there as well. Uh, we'll be back on Sunday around the same time. We'll handicap the Monday games and we'll get the new week started as usual. Uh, good luck this weekend. Let's break these books off and let it ride. <laughs>